I love those little And it is so good to be with you guys this morning. How's everybody doing this morning? All right, we need to wake up a little bit. That's okay. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of, of this service in particular because many of you maybe are, are a little bit slumped over this morning because of how things went for the Astros last night. If you're like me, it's okay. Tonight is when we rebound. Um, hey, if you didn't know, my name's Tim. I'm one of the student pastors here. I love, love getting to work with students. And maybe you also didn't know that SJ, who is leading us this morning, is our student worship leader. So student ministry is taking over this service. And uh, yeah, yeah, you can clap for that. Absolutely. And I figured it might be time to let the cat out of the bag and let you guys that actually we're taking it a step further. We're, we're taking over the harbor. Um, and so effective next week, we're, we're getting rid of coffee. It's going to be nothing but Mountain Dew and Monster Drinks. Um, we're going to keep the cookies, but we're going to double the order, okay? And there's going to be an assortment of Sour Patch Kids and Swedish Fish and all that stuff for you to grab on your way in as well. Um, actually, that is just a dream of mine. Um, and I figured this week of any week, while most of the leadership team is at Infusion, our marriage retreat, maybe we could uh, muster up some steam to get something like that happen. So if, actually, if you'd all take your phones out and just type an email right now to Dana.Aronson at, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I figured if we could get anybody on our side, it's, it's definitely Dana. It is. No, hey, it's really, it's really cool to be with you guys this morning. Um, this series that we've been in is, is a really fun one, uh, this Blueprint series. You see the, the backdrop and kind of this idea that we've been um, traveling through together um, is that, man, God has this plan. He's got this blueprint for what a vibrant life with Christ looks like and what a vibrant church, community, and local church looks like. And so we've been digging into that several different parts. Um, we've broken down this VIPS acronym um, and today we're going to kind of be in the second part of that. But before we jump too, too deep in, I want to tell you guys a story of something that happened to me this week. Um, I was at one of my favorite places in the whole world, uh, Taco Bell. Can I, get any, can I get any amens in the crowd? And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not joking. You guys hear Pastor Rick talk all the time about the devotion he has to McDonald's and his space and his order and all that stuff, right? Uh, Taco Bell, that's it for me. That's just my space. It's been that way my whole life. And so I'm, I'm at Taco Bell on Thursday. And again, for you Astro fans, if you remember, uh, Wednesday night was a great night because Game 2 of the World Series went our direction after it really looked like it wasn't going to, and we stole a win in Los Angeles against the Dodgers. And it was a phenomenal game. Probably the best Astros game that I've witnessed in my lifetime. Uh, phenomenal. So I'm, I'm going into Thursday just cloud nine about what the Astros are doing. The World Series is such a, a once-in-a-lifetime type deal potentially. And so what better to do than celebrate with lunch at Taco Bell on Thursday, Right. Um, and so I convince uh, my wife to join me for lunch, and it doesn't take a lot of convincing because my two-year-old daughter, Everly, loves Taco Bell with me. Like, that is our place uh, for our daddy-daughter dates. Um, we eat lots of tacos, lots of nachos, lots of anything that Taco Bell has to offer. And so we're enjoying this Taco Bell lunch on uh, Thursday of this week, and there's food everywhere. Everly's dancing and singing and trying to eat and stuff, and it's just this mess. We're having literally the time of our lives. We love it. Um, and a, a gentleman walks into Taco Bell and begins to place his order, and we're kind of overhearing the interaction that he has with the cash register um, and the person who's taking his order. And before he picks out what he has on the menu, he says, hey, I would like to receive my free Doritos Locos Taco. And I'm, I'm a fan of the Doritos Locos Taco, and I'm also a fan of free things, like most of us in the room. And, and so uh, he, he throws that out there, and to his surprise, the the lady working the cash register says, I'm sorry, we, we don't give out Doritos Locos tacos for free. And he's like, no, I think there's a misunderstanding. You guys are running a promotion right now. I mean, it has to do with the Astros game. They stole a base. Cameron Maben, you might have seen it on the game last night. If you didn't, that's okay. But yeah, it was all over TV. 
it's free Doritos Locos Tacos. And so he kind of is trying to convince her. The, the dialogue goes back and forth just a little bit. And to no avail, there's no free tacos that are given away. And so I'm listening in, kind of trying to stay focused on uh, my family, but hearing this. And there's another guy across, across the way who interjects into the conversation as the guy places his order and kind of walks very uh, slumped over to his table as he did not get his free Doritos Locos Taco. Um, and he's informed very politely by another man in uh, the restaurant to say, hey, man, like, they're, they're going to give Doritos Locos Tacos away, but it's not till November 1st. And so uh, either some coworkers of his or as he was watching the game, was just too much excitement. He, he didn't catch all the details of the promotion that came through um, uh, for the Taco Bell promotion. And, and being a Taco Bell lover for me, like I've already got it inscribed on every notebook that I have. And, and I'm already planning my route to each Taco Bell in the Bay Area between 2 and 6 o'clock to see how many free Doritos Locos tacos. I, I'm inti- intimately involved in the details of this promotion because it is Taco Bell and it, it's very important to me. And and he missed just a tiny little detail. He missed a tiny little detail in this promotion, and it changed everything about that interaction that he had at Taco Bell. Um, And and literally, as I'm I'm kind of wrestling through and preparing for this message, I I was reminded of something that Pastor Rick said last week as he kind of dove us into the first section of what um, this part of VIP we're in, and in this idea of intimate devotional life. Pastor Rick said this. I'm throwing it up on the screens because it was so impactful to me. It says, Lack of scriptural knowledge is the primary source of disappointment and disillusion with God, as well as the erosion of faith. And there's so many people, including myself at times, we kind of go through life and we've got maybe a lot of the details right, but we've missed a few things here and there. Maybe something's a little twisted, right? And that changes everything. And seriously, as I look at the disappointment on this man's face when he he is informed that he is not going to get a free taco, I'm kind of reminded of the spiritual implications of that, of of how disappointed we can feel going through life thinking something is going to be one way and then it's not. And and, uh, this idea of intimate devotional life is so crucial for us to understand. We talked primarily about prayer last week. This week as we jump into Bible study, right, that that this relationship that we have with God is is intended to be so laser-focused on him that, that he's actually willing to give us everything we need to know to find this vibrance that we're talking about. That as the structure begins to go up, that it goes up without any, uh, anything missing, anything that could be crucial to the foundation. And so, so we're going to dig into that today. We're going to look at this second part of intimate devotional life, and, and it's really all about Bible study. We've talked um, about the importance of this corporate gathering that we have on Sunday mornings and how this is, this is, this is one of the, the best places to be in a week because God, for whatever reason, he chooses to speak so powerfully to us in this setting. We break out into small groups all across the Bay Area because uh, the Bible is clear about community and that it wasn't meant, we weren't meant to walk through life in these little bubbles by ourselves trying to figure things out, but instead we should do life on life, shoulder to shoulder um, type community. And then um, Rick said something else last week that just has struck me. He says, God longs for us to meet with him in prayer. So the relationship that we have with God is so unique and it's so intimate. And we highlight that word intimate in this series. Because when we meet with God, he is connecting with us in a way that we cannot connect with any other person in this world. So instead of just talking about a devotional life where we might pray and we may read our Bibles and we have these rituals and routines that help us grow closer to God, instead of that just being a devotional life, it is this intimate devotional life because this relationship is not like any other relationship. Even outside of our marriages, for those of us who are married in the room, right, we understand that for, for often a lot of us, right, our spouse is the person we trust the most. 
They get the most information from us, and we give them the most room in our lives to speak into and change the trajectory of our lives. And God is intended in our relationship with him to be the most intimate relationship that we have. And so um, the primary way that God, that God speaks to us, if we're going to have a relationship with somebody right through prayer, we've got to talk to them like we talked about last week. Um, but even more than just praying, the primary way that God speaks to us is through his word. It's through the Bible. The primary way that God speaks to us is through the Bible. And if we, if we begin to understand that and realize that and position our lives and our relationship with Jesus in that way, um, it will become a game changer. It will absolutely become a game changer. And I think um, any of us could probably relate to the disappointment that this man at Taco Bell, and if you're in the room, um, I, I totally understand. I would have been incredibly disappointed if I didn't get a free taco as well. Um, but I think regardless of if your experience is at Taco Bell or in, in some kind of a spiritual sense, right, this lack of scriptural knowledge, like we've all felt that disappointment when we really feel like God's supposed to do something, but then he doesn't, and it changes everything. So everything that we're going to work towards today in understanding and, and, and studying God's word is this simple truth right here. This all comes back to this. So catch this if you're here with me this morning. It says, everything that you need to know about God can be found in the Bible. Everything. Everything that you need to know about God can be found in the Bible. There's a passage of scripture that we're going to turn to first. It's uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. Um, if you've got your Bible with you, um, you can flip open to that and read it with me. I read from the New International Version. Um, you can also flip open your cell phone, and we use the YouVersion Bible app. If you're not familiar with that, that is a great resource. If you ever forget your Bible or um, you just like to engage with the scriptures in a digital format, you can find that there. And actually, you can find the Harbor's notes there, and you can follow along as we read through that. So we'll read... 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, and begin to understand uh, what it is about the Bible that offers us everything we need to know about God. What is it about the Bible that offers us everything that we need to know about God? Verse 16 starts like this. It says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture, the entire Bible, the entire Bible is this collective story about God. This collective story about God that's seeking to answer one question, who is God? Simply that. Now, this, this book doesn't come across so simple at times, right? It can seem very complex and hard to digest. But, but as a whole, this book sets out to answer one question, all of Scripture. Who is God? And if we can find the answer to that question, wouldn't that change everything? So for those of us in this room who call ourselves Christ followers, right, we, we hinge everything upon the way that, that God has created order to life. Like we're pursuing God's order for life. And we can't possibly follow him if we don't know what his order is. And so the Bible, being God's primary way of speaking to us, gives us everything that we need to know about God. It answers that question. Whether it's Genesis chapter 1 or Revelation chapter 22, um, Joshua chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2, John 14, Deuteronomy 6, Galatians 5, right? Old Testament, New Testament. We could run the gamut of all those scriptures and, and dive deep into what they each mean and how they draw us closer to God and answer those questions. They talk about his character. They talk about his love, his grace, his mercy. They talk about his son, Jesus. They talk about all those things, and they ultimately answer that question. And so we have to understand that all of the scriptures 
I started a journey of, of reading through the Old Testament, and I'm, I'm right there at the front of, of the book of Joshua, and I've been blown away through reading books like Numbers and Leviticus, which at times can just feel, honestly, just difficult to get through with some of the content, but you just get these small glimpses and continue to see about God's character and, and how he's leading Israel towards the promised land and all these things, and I go on and on and on. Um, and then I flip open to the New Testament, and I read some of the words that Paul writes to the churches that he interacts with, and he talks about Jesus in a way that he has this personal relationship with him. Have you noticed that? When you read some of the New Testament authors, you read about how they talk about Jesus. They talk as if they have a personal relationship with him. And that's exactly what we're striving for, that we ourselves would live a life in a way that we actually have a relationship with Jesus. There's something that 2 Timothy chapter 3 16 through 17 proclaims that we can't miss. And it's simply this, that all scripture is God-breathed. So there's this proclamation that the Bible itself, this book that we are, are setting out to study, to answer the question of who is God, this book is authored by God himself. Now you'll say, yeah, but what about Paul and Moses and, and Matthew, Mark and Luke and John and all these guys? And and, and what this means, what the scripture teaches us when we, when we start reading about scripture being God-breathed is that God is the, the author and inspirer of, of scripture. That everything Paul had to say to us and to the church, uh, the New Testament church, was directly from God. And he was just the pen coming to the page, the voice of God for humanity. And as Moses is writing a large portion of the Old Testament, it's, it's only through God giving him exactly what to say, what pieces of history to capture, and putting pen to page so that we can capture that. Guys, that, that changes everything. Like, it, it is fun to read books like Harry Potter, right? It is fun. I mean, there, there's all kinds of fiction. There's all kinds of magazines. There's all kinds of stuff that, that we read, you and I, that we put, put our time into. And those things are great, and those are fun. But the difference between this and those is exactly this point, that this book, it's the only book in all of the world, in all of creation, that is actually authored by God. And that makes it unique. That makes it worth something reading. It really does. It makes it worth something reading. Um, as I've started to think about side of being God-breathed, it, it makes me kind of think back to the creation story. So when you think about Genesis chapter 1, like when God, when, when God speaks, when God uses words, amazing things happen, Right? When you read the account of, of Genesis chapter 1, like God speaks things into existence. What? Right? I, I talk to students about this all the time. I ask them this question all the time when we talk about creation. It's, and when was the last time that you woke up and you got ready for your day? You walked into your kitchen and you looked at the dining table and you said, bagel. And there it was. Smooth with cream cheese and just exactly like you envisioned it and wanted it, right? How, how often has that ever happened? Like, our words aren't that powerful. <laughs> and so we can write about God, and, and there are many men and women who've, who've written many great things about God that complement what, what God is trying to teach us through his word, but we cannot say that those things are like this because they are not God-breathed, and this is the only thing that is. And when God speaks words, amazing things happen. But even more than that, he doesn't even need words. When God breathes amazing things happen. You, you go to Genesis chapter 2, and you see how Adam is formed from the dust, and it says, God, breathe life into him. Breathe life into him. 
that speaks to the majesty and the awe and the power of who God is, that, that when he breathes even, he doesn't even have to, to formulate syllables and shape the sounds of his breath to speak things into existence. He breathes life into stuff. So when I hear that God's word is, is, is God-breathed, I think to myself, wow, there may, be, there may be more power in this book than I ever thought there was. And, and if God is the one who's actually breathing it, then maybe, maybe he is the one whom I can find more about as I, as I dig deeper into this book. There's another passage uh, in Proverbs, a, a book of, of wisdom that we can, we can turn to and gather lots of wisdom for a variety of things. And, and chapter 30, verse 5, is one that, that makes this simple statement at the front of that verse. It says, every word of God is flawless. Every word of God is flawless. Again, I'm thinking a lot about baseball because it's, playoffs and World Series and all that stuff, right? You can be a great baseball player. You will be in the Hall of Fame if you hit the ball one-third of the times that you come up to bat in your career. You will be a Hall of Fame. You will be world-renowned baseball player if you're just good a third of the time. It's insanity, right? That works in no other profession. You show up to your job one-third of the time, guess what? You do not have a job anymore. This doesn't work that way, right? One-third doesn't cut it in anything, and we don't have to question whether or not God's getting it like 98% of the time or maybe just 889 I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Like even, even the best of us have sick days and we miss a day of work. But God's word is flawless. And nothing that he's ever said has, has been proven to be untrue or unwise or led us in the wrong direction. Because every word of God is flawless. And we can be excited about that. We can, we can begin to see that. Um, that this book, and there's something special about this book. There's something really special about this book. Right? Uh, verse 17 would go on to say in the Second Timothy passage, I'll just read it really quickly again, so that every servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Right? There's, there's, there's a design, there's a, an idea, there's a, a goal set in front of the believer, of those who follow Jesus. And the Bible is intended to be the blueprint of how to accomplish it. Right, we say it here all the time. Like the harbor is, is passionate about one thing because this is what God has called us to be, that we would be a place that leads people in the Bay Area to Jesus and helps them become fully devoted followers of him. That's our mission as a church. And God says, I will give you everything that you need to accomplish that. I'll give you everything you need, and it's found right here. I'll have conversations with you. I'll lead you through it. It's, it's just like the illustration of, of the blueprint that we have behind us. But you think of the home builder who has a massive table and the blueprint for, that, for this home project, whatever it may be, stretches from one end of the table to the other. And you can't possibly see the whole thing at one time because it's so big. It's so intricate. The details are so important that as you begin to build the foundation from the time that you put the last doorknob on the door or whatever the last thing is, right, every little detail is intricate because if one thing falls out of place and it changes all of it. So as he looks at the blueprint, Every day before he goes into work to lay another brick, to put out another piece of the foundation, to put up another wall, to insulate, to do whatever it may be. We've got to go back to that blueprint. Let's make sure we haven't missed anything because if we miss it, that could change everything. If we miss it, then we may have to start all over again. and We may, we may miss exactly what we were supposed to do. So I have that picture of a, of a home builder looking at the blueprint, and I see the same thing in the scripture as God would say, I mean, you've got to be so intimately involved with this book, carefully coursing through every page and every word to see what God would have to say to you, because it all builds together. It's a unified story that builds up to Jesus and what he did on the cross. 
So if it's, if it's perfect, if it's flawless, then every, worth, every word is worth reading. Every single word, even the hard ones, even the hard ones in the book of Numbers, when it's just names after name after name, even those are worth it. There's, a, there's another scripture that speaks powerfully to me. Um, it speaks very specifically to me because uh, when I was a teenager, 16 years old, um, my uh, youth pastors and parents and senior pastor at the church I grew up at, I always heard the reference of this verse, and, and I kind of walked through my early teen years thinking, you know, like, I love church, I'll go, I'll check the box, but as far as, like, this whole Bible reading thing, like, I'm not a reader, okay, so I just, I just don't do it, you know, it's, I'm, I'm 16, I have plenty of time for that when I'm older, right, so a lot of those thoughts running through my head, and, and this verse would always come up, and finally, at 16 years old, for whatever reason, and I, I claimed kind of the identity of, of Christian, but my life didn't reflect it fully, maybe a little bit when people were watching, but back home, it wasn't really anything that was driving me, so I wasn't reading this for myself. And uh, There's this passage in Hebrews, it's, it's, it's uh, chapter 4, verse 12, it's up on the screens if you want to read it with me. It says, for the, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. There's this depiction of, of God's words in the Bible in Hebrews that, again, set it aside from any other book. It says it's alive and active. Now, I've never, I've never seen this book do anything like really creepy or weird, like just kind of f- flop itself open on a certain page to, and take that as an indicator to read it. It's, never, it's not alive in that sense, but, but it's alive in the sense that God has inspired something so long ago but so intimately relevant to my life right now, on this day, in this year, in this town. Simultaneous to you and your family and your friends. And it, it starts to get a little mind-boggling at that point, but to understand that the Word of God is living and active is essentially to say this. Catch this if you're listening, right? That the Bible has the power to transform us. The Bible has the power to transform us. It's not this dull book that once you read it, if you catch something, you catch something. If you don't, you don't, and you kind of go on with your day. Like there are, there are things in this book that can change the trajectory of your life. There are things in this book that can change the trajectory of your life. And just like our God, although Jesus was put on a cross and crucified 2,000 years ago, he is alive, and his words to this day are alive. And we can read them right here. If you were to walk into the Gerald's family home uh, within the last couple of weeks, you would have heard a song being sung at the top of our lungs very often as we're driving, as we're eating breakfast, lunch, dinner, as we're getting ready for the day. Um, and my daughter Everly loves to sing. Uh, Moana is a big one right now. If, I don't know if that's big in your home, but we love that movie, and she's starting to learn the songs. But there's a song that she learned here, and it's a song about the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Sometimes it sounds like B-I-B-A-E-E, or the spelling gets a little off at times, so we're working on that. Um, but I love that. I absolutely love it, that the harbor is a place that when my daughter is in Spark, like she'll be later this morning, they're teaching truth to her, that at the, the age of two, she is singing at the top of her lungs in, in a somewhat underst- understandable way that, that the Bible is what I can stand on alone, and it can give me everything that I need to have a vibrant life with Christ. And we will continue to sing that song. We will continue to get the spelling correct, because it's true. It's true. 
And, and, and if you're in our home, you're going to hear it, and you're going to sing it with us. Um, and and, it, and it's, that's just what it is. I want, I want us to understand that, that, that this book, because they are the very words of God, have the power to transform us. And what they're transforming us to is to be more like Jesus. Can't miss that. There's another passage of scripture that as I began to study and read through this, uh, it just really came to mind. And so I thought it would be us, uh, worth us reading it together this morning. It's Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. And it says this, you can check at the screens if you'd like to follow along. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Jesus is teaching this massive crowd. And like he's doing um, all through the New Testament, he's helping the listeners uh, of his crowds to understand that the kingdom of God does not work like the kingdom of man. It doesn't. It's, it's really, it's upside down. And, and he's really making these statements, right, that as, as he would say in John, 14 chapter, uh, sorry, John chapter 14, verse 6, that he would say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except me. Like Jesus is making clear throughout his ministry that he's the only way to heaven. He's the entryway to the kingdom of heaven. The truth is that only through a relationship with Jesus can you find the treasure. Only through a relationship with Jesus can you find the treasure. When you find it, like these people, like these men in this story, oh, you should sell everything. You should sell it all to possess that treasure because nothing else matters. And, and the treasure that Jesus is talking about is found in this Bible. And for so many of us, I'm guilty of this. I'm so guilty of this. Right, we look at it just like some other book and it doesn't get much time and it catches dust on the, on the mantle or whatever the case may be. When the, the reality is, is this book can transform us, it can change us. It, it holds the keys to the treasure of eternal life. And what would change if we, if we saw it that way? What would change if, if, we, if, we, if we saw it for what it is? There was a time in history where, where this wasn't, uh, you couldn't have like seven of these in your home. I don't know what the statistics are, but uh, in American homes, there's a lot of Bibles in the homes. And the statistics on how much they get read is not good comparatively to like how many are owned. And um, there was a time, it's actually, uh, Pastor Rick referenced this last week, I love this. Two days from now, it's the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Um, and, and really, we don't have time to dig into the history of it. It's, it's amazing. But really what the importance of that is, I mean, there was a time where, where it was thought that maybe the priests can talk to God, but everybody else, it, it's not for you. It's not for you. It, it, this can't transform your life. If you, if you go to the priest, then maybe he can pass some things along to you. And if you're lucky, then you can have an interaction with God here and there. And, and the Reformation is this idea from Martin Luther that, that actually God's design, his plan, his order, is that each and every one of us in a personal, intimate way, we could dig into this and we could find the words of life personally. We don't need a priest. We don't need a Pastor Rick. You don't need me. You have this. You have the words of life. You have, you have God's word right in front of you. And man, I hope that, that just like Martin Luther did and, and just like we're reminded this morning, we could maybe even change the way we look at this book to give us a better shot at experiencing the life change that can come from spending time in it. We're running out of time here, but there's one more verse. It's not on, your, uh, it's not on, your, uh, on the screens or anything, so you just have to listen to me say it. It's, it's Psalm 119, 
And it's verse 105. Fun little Bible fact. I found this out. I think this is true. I'm just taking the internet for, for this one. Uh, Psalms, right, is, is a book that most people say it's like kind of right in the middle of the Bible. Uh, but the interesting fact about that is Psalms 119 is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. We're reading verse 105, and there's like 170-something. Um, and actually, chapter 116 is, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 117 is the shortest chapter in the Bible. It's this little psalm, it's tiny, it's got just a few sentences to it. And the exact middle of the Bible is Psalm 118. So 117 is the shortest one, 18 is the middle, 119 is the longest. I think that's kind of cool. I do, I'm sorry. I can nerd out on that stuff. Um, but here's, here's what Psalm 119, verse 105 says. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. The words of God can be the very thing that directs us, just like the, the, the master home builder looks at the blueprint so that he can be guided with every step for which nail and which screw and which post and which brick and everything that needs to be laid in place in order, all these things, right? Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light unto my path. And I, I got rocked with this question that God just wanted me to wrestle with, and I, and I hope that maybe you can wrestle with me. And God asked me this question, when was the last time that I read the Bible and it changed the course of my actions? When was the last time that I read the Bible, me, and it changed the course of like Because of what I began to know about God that I didn't know about him before, when was the last time I, I was so intimately um, digging into the scriptures that it actually made a tangible difference. Like I'm walking in one direction and, and I hear God start to say this and I think, okay, like this, this is God saying I need to go here and, and, I, and I move. Otherwise I would have missed it because I, because I wasn't there. And for me, uh, the thing that changes is, is, simply, is simply this. Like when, I, when I'm not spending time in the word, there's no opportunity for God's word to be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. There's just no opportunity. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen on its own. And if this is the primary way that God speaks to us, yes, God can prompt us as we have conversations with him. Yes, God can and will use other people in this church and in your life who follow Jesus to prompt you and speak things to you, truth to you, that will guide your path. Yes, he will do that, but primarily he will use his word. He will use the words in this book and they can change your life. They can transform you. They can even shift your path just slightly and you can begin to experience the life that God has as we read his word. Easy said, easy said, harder to do. So as we close this thing up, how, how do we do this? How do you, how do you actually do this? For me, um, there's one word that sums it up. It's one word, and this, this is for me. You may relate, you may not. And it's discipline. It's discipline. Uh, for me, uh, discipline's greatest enemy is not laziness, although that is, that is an, enemy of, an enemy of mine that I fight. Laziness will, will try to uh, remove any discipline in your life. But that's not the one that, that God began to raise up for me. The, the enemy, the number one enemy to discipline that would keep me from this is selfishness. I just want to sleep more. I actually, God, I've been reading the Bible for 10 years now. I've actually read quite a bit of this. Like, why do I need to read more? <laughs> selfishness constantly fights against discipline to see that this book and these words of life could be something that deeply transforms my life. So I want to make sure that, that I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for exactly the reason that God gave us the scriptures. It's so that we could know God. That's why I'm reading it. I can have a personal relationship, an intimate relationship with the God of the universe. And he has given me this powerful um, instrument and tool to actually do that. And the discipline comes in, in just a few 
um, a few just helpful tips I'm just going to throw out to you guys. It's really quick. This, a lot of this stuff isn't even going to be new. You guys, we, we talk about these things all the time at the harbor, and, and we can't come up with new ideas because these are, these are so simple, and they're so helpful. First one is this. Like when you, if you decide for yourself that you want to begin to be transformed by God's word, and you're going to set aside time to be disciplined, find a quiet place. Find a quiet place where, where these words are the only words. Where these words are the only words. Uh, you guys relate to this, many of you, right? When, the, when there's a two-year-old in the room, there's a lot of words coming out. And some, most of the time, they don't make sense. It takes like 10 minutes to buffer and figure out what's trying to be said. And so my, my, my time alone with God can't possibly happen with my daughter in the room. We will spend time reading scripture together, but I need, I need that personal time. It's got to be quiet. And so one of the things that's been really, really helpful for me is I've found uh, music. Uh, you can find it on Spotify um, and Google Play Music and all these things. I'll put headphones on, but it, it's music that doesn't have words because I, I can't. I can't listen to a song. I'll start singing it, all that good stuff. And it's just piano. You can actually search uh, piano prayer. Search piano prayer, and there's this guy who plays the piano, and he takes all the songs that we sing here, and he just plays piano to them. And, and I listen to that and helps me laser focus on here. So it's quiet in the room, headphones on for me. That's personally for me. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm focused on these words and only these words. And I'm, and I'm actively fighting my own words, trying to, trying to come into that. Uh, next thing is this, and this is a big discipline thing, right? Consistency. Finding that quiet place and not making it once a month. The goal being that every day, and you can even set, set a specific goal as you're starting out early. Say, man, five days a week, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to miss it for anything. I'm going to sacrifice time, energy, effort in other areas. I'm going to do it right. Consistency changes everything. Think about anything that you've ever wanted to be good at. Anything you've ever wanted to be good at. You golfers? Any golfers in the room? Right? I, I don't even need to chase that rabbit trail. Like consistently change, consistency changes everything. You can't pick up your clubs once a month and think you're going to be a good golfer. It's infuriating. Trust me, I do it. And it's infuriating. Um, so quiet place, consistency, and then using the simple tool that we use here at the Harbor called No Feel Do. And asking three simple questions. As I read a passage of scripture, as I'm reading Hebrews chapter 4. I'm just going to ask these three questions as I'm doing it. And for me, because I have to be laser focused, I need pen and paper. I actually use my iPad, but whatever you want to use, iPad, pen, and paper. And I write the questions down and I write the response to them. God, what do you want me to know out of Hebrews 4? God, how do you want me to feel based on what I just read in Hebrews 4? And God, what do you want me to do? So it's now that I've just read your word and it's transformative and it's leading my life. Like, what do you actually want me to do? Those are three just small tips to have a disciplined uh, devotional life. And, and all you need is this. That's all you need. Uh, this, this is all you need. That's the beautiful thing about it. Um, if you don't have a Bible, um, take one that's in the back of the room and, and write your name on it because it's yours when you leave this place. If you don't have one, um, that would be our gift to you. Um, if you would like one that looks a little bit more like mine and become personal, then I would love to give you a recommendation on where you can find one. All that stuff. This is all you need. Um, things like Jesus calling and stuff and devotions, those are great. Use those if they're helpful for you to help you get into the scriptures and find a place to start, do all that stuff. But, but ultimately, it's about this. It's about this book. It's about these words. It's about making these the loudest voices in your life. And as you dig deeper into the scriptures and know more about who God is, um, there's a couple extra resources I'll throw out to you guys. They're not on the screen, so if you're interested in this, just write it down. There's this, this thing called The Bible Project. They have a YouTube channel and a website called The Bible Project. And uh, as I'm reading through the Old Testament, they have created videos that help me understand the context of what's happening in the Old Testament so that when I read it, I can gain a better understanding of it. So as you start to read deeper and longer, uh, think about using something like The Bible Project. 
And there's devotional books that are really focused on scripture called He Reads Truth and She Reads Truth that I highly recommend to you guys if you're looking for some substance to help you be disciplined in your tag time. And ultimately, guys, my greatest, my greatest hope for this morning is that, that each of us would leave this place convinced that this book is transformative and that it would be worth our time. That if we know what a treasure this is, and we actually take God up on the offer to spend time with him, that that, that would literally change our lives. Y'all pray with me. God, thank you so much for this time and this space that you have, that you have met us, that you so consistently meet us. God, we trust that your word uh, will not return void. Um, that as we have um, opened your word, that we've even gotten just a taste of how flawless your words are, how perfect they are. God, help us to build into our lives this crazy little word discipline, that we would actively fight against laziness and selfishness so that we could see the benefits of of time spent alone with you, that God, as your words, like they did for Adam, they they breathed life into him. As we read your words, let them breathe life into us. God, help us not to believe in and of ourselves that we're capable of figuring this thing out, figuring this book out, but be so humble in our approach to to ask those three simple questions. God, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to feel? And what do you want me to do? And God, as, as this church goes about this next week, as many maybe for the first time, God, begin to spend time with you, I pray that you would bless the minutes and the hours that are spent solely focused on you. Help us to eliminate distractions, to be solely, solely fixed on you. God, we trust you and we love you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.